Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name's Michaela. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast. My name is Michaela. We're so glad that you're here. This week, we have Nina. Nina is actually part of MVP's team. She does all of our back-end course management. Is that a good? Well said, yeah. Okay, okay, good. Um, So she does a lot of uh, detail-oriented things. Um, But today, we're going to have her talk a little bit about travel because she's also a world traveler. Um, So Nina, how are you this morning? I'm very good. Thank you, Michaela. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe about like what your personal practice looks like when you're at your home base, when you're feeling consistent and all of that stuff? Definitely, definitely. Um, So yeah, what does my personal practice look like? Uh, When I'm at home, I'm having a big chunk of my important personal practice happening in the morning, just after getting up. It's kind of my morning ritual. And um, yeah, I'm going to dive right in. Traveling often changes my morning ritual, depending on various factors. Um, Whether I'm traveling with people, which is actually just now the case. Um, I'm on a a week trip um, to another city in the country where I'm living with a friend. So it requires quite a bit of flexibility, I'd say. Flexibility for oneself. Um, because while I try to get up at 5 a.m., usually I'm not trying to get up at 5 a.m. while I'm traveling with a friend. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't seem too compassionate all the time. Um, so, yeah, for me, a lot of the changes of my personal practice while traveling is maintaining an open mind and being compassionate with myself. That practice can look different every day and that that's okay. That's beautiful. So you've already answered one of my questions. It's your yoga off the mat, I'm sure becomes extremely important as you travel. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Um, So what are some changes? For example, I love to, I love to put on some mantras while I, while I do my bathroom practice in the morning. So while I get ready to listen to some Gayatri mantras, Ganesha mantras, whatever, whatever suits the day. Um, but yeah, it requires a compassion because my practice shouldn't affect anyone else necessarily. And yeah, if blasting mantras at 5 a.m. in the morning, someone who doesn't have that type of spiritual personal practice might not be too appreciated, probably. I really like how you said it. And my personal practice shouldn't affect anyone else really that I, because honestly, I don't travel much and I don't practice around anyone else very much, um, outside of the studio. So that's not something I would have considered because I'm a loud breather. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I do always think, well, nobody can blame me for breathing. can they? That's true. But, um, yeah. So with remaining flexible, it's, it's well it actually extends to so many other aspects as well like not being married for me to maybe have a private and and calm space for my practice 
So after after my morning ritual, I love to go on to do a little bit of asana, pranayama, meditation. And sometimes I can be quiet in my own head and I love to have a quiet and calm space for that. But depending on where I travel, I might not have that. In my, so my current home base is Mexico or Oaxaca on the coast. And my rooftop terrace, um, so I live there. I live there long term and I have my own place. But my rooftop terrace is in the midst of, of pure, pure, authentic Mexican life. So I have three roosters living very close by, families all over. It's loud. And sometimes my meditation is accompanied by the three different roosters giving a concert at the same moment. So it's a little challenge in, a, in the practice itself. I start to learn to appreciate it. But it's, but it's been a struggle for some time, definitely, because I thought, well, my, my calm and peaceful environment is what I need to practice. But as we so often learn, we probably always have everything at hand that we actually need. Right. And what is it about practicing in the calm that's more attractive than practicing in the in the noise? What's what's the attachment, as Michelle would say, right? I think it's the concentration. Same for me. Yeah. The ease. I, the ease, especially with meditation. I I often push myself very much. I'm like, no, Nina, come on, come on, do it better, do it better. This, this was not what you wanted to do. Um, so yeah, that that in itself, it's a whole different practice. It might have not been the meditation that I wanted to practice, but it brings me to the self-compassion and the acceptance and treating myself nicely because I'm doing my best, am I, with whatever there is. Absolutely. And you're still practicing just because it looks different, you know? Exactly. And well, when, when it comes to traveling, one can, I think it's easy to either see obstacles or to see opportunities. If I'm traveling to a beach location, well, can do yoga on the beach. Isn't that awesome? Um, so instead of having a calm environment and maybe the used room where I always go to practice in my home, where the sand can practice below palm trees on the beach uh, with the ocean waves close by. So there's benefits to all of it. So where are you now? I'm in, I'm in a city now in Mexico. This okay. is called Guadalajara. And um, yeah, swapped, swapped beach life a little bit for some culture for, for a week. Interesting. Okay. All right. So do you, when you travel, do you take, do you have a yoga mat that you take with you or do you just practice on the ground? It depends a little bit on the length of travel. So for this one right now, I actually didn't. If I go somewhere with checked luggage, I usually take a yoga mat if I don't know that at my destination there is one I can use. Also, just because I think yoga mats are so multifunctional. I use them, sometimes I bring them to the beach, um, prevents better from, especially if the beach is hot, it prevents the heat from moving up through the towel. Um, on this trip now, I didn't travel with checked luggage, so there wasn't as much space. 
I feel like one can make do. I'm using towels to practice. I do have a sarong, but I'm one of these people. I've got quite sensitive knees and, and my sacrum as well. On the other hand, I know that. So I can just take a sweater as bolster and like bolster the knee up a little when I go into low lunge or there are ways, there are ways. Again, for me personally, it often comes back to the flexibility and not being married to it has to look like that and I have to have my yoga mat. Um, yeah. Adapted yoga at its thing. finest. Sorry, Nina, go ahead. No, definitely. It's especially, yeah, you're completely right. It's maintaining the open mind and being able to adapt one's practice. Also, like not being married to my my personal favorite asana flow because now I'm trying to practice more standing. Um, so yeah, it creates a bit of creativity. And in regards to classes, um, I love the MVP the MVP app membership. Um, in our case, I take my yoga studio with me. It doesn't matter where I am. I, I always have my favorite instructors and styles on hand. Um, it does still allow me to at times treat myself and check out an in-person class. But I'm quite a budget traveler. So um, when traveling, I'm already uh, investing some of my resources into doing the trip itself. And as we know, in-person classes at times can be expensive or finding the economic and good deals might not be the easiest if you're coming like to a completely new place and you don't have any context can recommend you to a good studio. Um, so yeah, I honestly love to have the flexibility of an online studio. And especially if the online membership that one chooses offers classes throughout various times of the day, this does give a little bit of freedom with traveling through time zones. So Again, I'm using the MVP app, um, which is based in Central Time, US. And MVP does a great job on serving all, all times. I think we're starting at 5.30 in the morning Central. Not too sure because, again, it's not my time to hop online. Um, but yeah, it goes until 8 in the evening. So even if I go to Europe, I'm originally from Europe. So if I visit some family, I could still make some of the classes work and could still use that same online yoga studio membership and this is a little bit of comfort for me because yeah while maintaining the open practice I fancy a little bit of routine and a little bit of of known repetition does help to soothe any upset or unrest that might come through the travels itself um, it's quite a big thing and sometimes I feel like we might lose the understanding of how easy it got for us to travel all over the world, really, and to rapidly and radically change our, our environment, our, our activities, our routine, whatever it is. So oh, it's actually a very beautiful point. Like my personal practice is my routine. It's my anchor that I can take everywhere with me as long as I maintain the open mind. Yes, and travel is a very a very vata experience in my perception it tends to make everything kind of out of balance and so it makes sense that you need a little of that a little of that kapha a little of that grounding that same same so oh, you're so right Michaela I'm I'm a vata I'm a vata pita and I do also think a little bit that's why I love 
I love changing every now and then. Yeah. But yeah, that part. And I'd say that type of personal practice that I can really say this is like my grounding aspect. I just have for a couple of years, so maybe two or three years. And I love, I love taking it with me and bringing it to new places. So yeah, now I'm, now I'm in Guadalajara since like five days or something. And it's very enriching, I'd say. So I'm traveling with a friend right now who does not really have a spiritual or personal practice in that sense, but is super open to learn about it. So the other day we did some, we did some pranayamas together, did a little bit of a guided meditation in the morning and that type of exchange, that sharing of practice, I think is so, so special. It's very beautiful. And it's, I feel like it's not, it's not always easy to find someone who's at the time in their life when they're open to new, new practices. Yes. I mean, especially when it then comes to, to people who are not trained in yoga, who don't know a lot about yoga for them very often yoga is the physical asana practice. And when I then come along with, Hey, let's breathe a little. <laughs> and that makes sense though, because when we, even when we look at like student bases, right, we change our offering based on context. Context is heavily important, which is, I think the cool part about there being eight limbs of the practice is that, like you said, even if the asana doesn't look the same or doesn't, isn't what you would like it to be, what you would prefer it to be, there are still seven other pieces that you can tap into. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, there's really a self-expectation and the self-expectation where one can work on not creating more obstacles, but trying to be compassionate, maybe trying some new stuff as well. Um, Maybe instead of, like, if really the, the setting is not made for an asana practice, if one travels to a city and the Airbnb or hotel room doesn't allow for any movement, well, what about a little restorative stretches in bed? Maybe right after waking up, that might be a new, a new development. Hadn't tried it myself yet, um, but yeah, definitely would. So I think there's always room to find some type of practice if one is looking. I love that if one is looking. Um, so tell me, you've been traveling for quite a while. What's the most interesting yoga experience you've had while abroad, away from home? That's a good one. So I feel like the place where I'm living now in, in Mexico, it's called Puerto Escondido. There is quite some spiritual community there and I'm not quite sure whether it's because I got to a point in my own development in my own practice where I see certain offers more than I did previously when I was not related to these type of offerings at all but I feel very enabled to living in such a place at the moment um, within the last few months um, I, I fell in love with Kirtan I love to chant mantras, to have that community aspect. Uh, I'm not a great singer. Like, I'm, I, don't, I don't love my voice while singing, but, well, anyone who practices kirtan also knows it's already about that, is it? You don't have to be able to sing. Um, it's a super powerful practice, in my opinion. 
and fairly speaking, I tried to think about, well, in the other places where I lived, like I lived in, in Barcelona and Spain, in, in Australia, in a very rural outback town, um, in Munich, where I came from, where, where I grew up the majority of my life. And I've never seen these type of offers. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with having moved to Puerto Escondido, I didn't choose it for its spiritual aspect. I actually chose it for its climate and its beach aspect. Um, that was a very beautiful addition. And aside from Kirtan, there's, there's lots of different things. Um, some people jokingly like to say there in Puerto Escondido, we have more yoga teachers than sand on the beach. But, wow, that's a that's a beautiful offer again isn't it like that offers so much to explore to exchange and building community learning more things um sharing some of mine and it doesn't have to be even the classroom setting it can just be making connections with with teachers from completely other lineages um and yeah that's that's very enriching i'd say austin is very similar as i'm sure you you know and have heard we have a an abundance, a plethora of wonderful teachers with wonderful offerings. Um, and like you said, I think it's it really lends to the idea that there's room for everyone. Definitely, yes. And yes, Austin on oh my heart uh, <laughs> got carried away to an upcoming to an upcoming trip to Austin. And well, that was also so it's all about perception. I don't know Texas. I do know Austin slightly. I worked for a great Austin company um, that is in the yoga world. And through MVP, my Texas experience is pretty impregnated. Um, how do you say it? Non-English speaker, here we go. That works. That works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like realizing, realizing how am I going to say this? Realizing those those differences in appearance. So my my Austin connection is all yoga, all yoga. All the people I know in Austin are yoga related and are teachers or practitioners or just students, like very interested students. Whereas there's probably a lot more to the state. Um, there are there are prejudgments that I know about Texas. Um, that are also being reworked with like getting to know Austin and that type of community there. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting to find those little bits of safe heavens because I do think there are, there are communities that are more spiritually developed and maybe other communities where it's not as, as present to the outside. So maybe even a very rural place might have a kirtan group, but they might not be advertising it on a big scale or something. It might just be a little private thing, maybe in someone's garage or not. Um, so yeah, yeah. This is also what I meant, Jalia, with. I think it's a little bit where everyone is at in their individual journey. What What is it that your subconscious eye is looking for? Because I'm at a place where I'm looking for these type of offers. But maybe I, I also lived in other places where there actually was a lot of these things, but I was just not looking for them. I wasn't that receptive. And that's why they didn't come to me in that extent. That makes total sense. And kind of like what you were talking about earlier, just kind of managing the expectations and almost what would it look like to be open 
to new offerings like you are now. Yeah, yeah. So here in Guadalajara, so, uh, I do want to go to some yoga studios, check them out a bit, um, compare as well. So I'm curious what offers I'm going to be finding here. Um, maybe there's some new styles to check out or let's see. So uh, this leads me to my next question. What is it like as someone who is not only multilingual, but travels to places that speak very different languages? What is your experience like dropping into places where maybe you aren't necessarily as familiar with the native, at least dialect that they might speak? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I feel like yoga is universal on that level. And especially someone who, I don't say it's necessary to know your postures, but it helps a bit when going to a yoga class in a for, that's taught in a foreign language. Um, outside of England, so in the Spanish cultures, again, I've lived in Spain and now in Mexico, I feel like Sanskrit is a lot more present than, than Spanish names of postures. So this is helpful in that sense because... While my yoga practice didn't start off with Sanskrit names, along the way, I keep, I keep picking up and internalizing and, and adding more on. And while um, sometimes there are people speaking Spanish where I'm like, that's a language I'm learning since three years, really. Um, so it sounds completely different, yeah, depending on the accent, where they're coming from, dialect. Uh, maybe they are foreigners as well who are speaking Spanish. So we're actually like two foreigners using a language that's not ours. Um, but yeah, Sanskrit helps a little bit. And then it's the flow as well. So sometimes if we're in downward dog and I just feel like going into a three-legged downward dog, I do that. Um, even if maybe the teacher doesn't in that moment. So I would hope and I would appeal to everyone to give it a try. And you can still rug up at any yoga studio where you don't speak the language and just Google the sentence, I don't speak your language. Can I still practice? And I cannot see anyone saying no. It's universal. It's, it's not connected to the language directly. It might be a bit more difficult with meditation practices or something, but if one's worried, check in with the studio before and just communicate your, your considerations a bit. And again, I'm sure they're going to do everything to make you feel supported and welcome. Eventually, even the yoga community, aren't we? Beautifully put. It doesn't matter about the language. Um, and I love that you brought up Sanskrit because at the end of the day, we all have that unifying language if we practice and isn't it yoga. beautiful yes it is it isn't really it beautiful is. we're all somehow learning and no matter how slow it is no matter how slow i bet that the majority of practitioners can get together one posture in sanskrit if not let's let's start small yes yes start small yes that's something i say to new teachers a lot because they can feel daunted about learning. It's like, just like you said, you made a beautiful point. Just slowly over time, just start collecting and start learning and it gets easier. Exactly. That's so awesome. The other point about language things is with teaching. So 
I would not feel comfortable teaching in Spanish. Um, my my ex-partner is Mexican and he does not speak a lot of English. So for the year that we shared some time together, it was actually a great practice that sometimes he joined me for live stream classes. So I was taking a live stream class and he joined me. And while we were practicing, I, I translated into Spanish. Um, it was a challenge, definitely in the beginning. It's Even though I speak Spanish fluently, I'm not used to the words that, that I used in a yoga class. Um, remaining flexible again. I, I would say everyone should take their time to teach in a language only when they feel comfortable in order to not create any stressful situation where maybe the individual is wondering, oh God, is this a good is this a good class for the students so they understand what I want? I think that's the most important part. One should feel comfortable in their own skin and how they're using the language and whatever that looks like. I mean, my English, I'm super comfortable with it. Sometimes I say stuff that's incorrect, but I don't really care on the inside. Um, obviously, I like to like to be corrected and, and know for the next time. But I don't think there needs to be any perfectionism when it comes to, to speaking another language. Um, it's such a huge step to, to be able to communicate in, in more than one's native language. So I would hope that everyone who tries to learn a language is proud of that and isn't worried about like putting it out in the world. But yeah, teaching, teaching yoga in another language, I know it can feel big. Um, I think what I would recommend if somebody is looking to, to add a language to their teaching repertoire, to take classes in that language. So let's say if I, if I truly want to work towards being, being comfortable in teaching classes in Spanish, I would go on YouTube and, and start taking those classes just to pick up what words are they using. Okay, she's, she's described how to knit down the ribs. I would have no clue how to say that in Spanish. Um, but with joining classes and listening to how other teachers are communicating their cues, that is, that is a great way to go. I feel like at the end of the day, uh, that's all we're ever doing really is sharing our perception of the practice because the practice is the practice and it's been that way for thousands of years and we're just here to experience it. And so I love that flexibility, openness, non-attachment, surrender, all of the yamas and niyamas, which makes sense because you're uprooting yourself and having relationship with people, new people and new places. Yes. Beautiful. I love that. Teaching in another language. I'm not bilingual. I wish I was. My mother speaks Spanish fluently and is from Mexico, but never taught me. So I am extremely, always extremely impressed by people who not only can speak two different languages, but can teach yoga in multiple languages. And honestly, I hold so much space for that. Again, I come from Germany. I don't teach in German. Like it would be, I, I wouldn't know what to say literally right here. Um, the names... So in my, in my role for, for MVP, um, sometimes we get German submissions and I'm always happy to have a look at them. Um, I have to check up what these posture names are because they're using German names for the postures and 
my yoga my yoga training was all done in English so I'm just not familiar with uh, with German phrases in that sense so I couldn't teach in my actual native language just now out of the sense again I think if I want to and I look into it and like just do a little bit of practice and like familiarize myself with the verbiage best used that will work as well but yeah so Nina, while traveling and, and looking for in-person offerings in, in community events, accessibility is obviously something that's important because we know dropping into to yoga classes and to things like that can be kind of expensive. I mentioned it earlier, so I'm, I'm a bit of a budget traveler. Uh, I'm always trying to make the most out of my money that I have. And I think FOMO would probably have me do two trips instead of one where I invest more money. <laughs> Um, that's okay. I think that's just how I am with retreats. Um, ooh, yeah, I just realized I would love that. Like maybe a three or four day retreat. That's really just like half day planned where the other half is for exploring because again, I'm a traveler, like where I go, I want to, I want to see some stuff. I maybe want to be able to walk through the city where I am for half a day without having any program in my neck. That's like, Oh, you're missing out on something right now. So I feel like we might be at a, at a point where we're going to see a lot of new stuff there because through the worldwide situation in the last two years, well, work got a lot more remote. We, we got a lot more flexible with working from different places in the world, obviously depending on what one's job is, but my job got remote. I, I moved into a remote position, so that's a huge luxury in that sense. And Maybe there are also some more retreats popping up that are locally organized that might not already include accommodation, but might be where someone travels to a destination and then has like three to four hours for a few days with the same yoga studio doing different activities and the rest of the time is free. So yeah, honestly, I'm a bit curious what, what the market will bring to us there within the next few years. Kind of like an extended workshop. Exactly. I feel like maybe that's that's a middle ground somewhere between a full 24-7 retreat and, and just a normal yoga class. And I think that that's the, the difference, right? That a yoga retreat is like an entire experience from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. That's what it's where it's coming from. Um, I've never been on a yoga retreat either. They look very beautiful and very fun. Um, but I often wonder what, how my tapas, my dedication would be challenged being in a place that's fun. Yes. Yes. So this is also something when it comes to traveling, as much as I say, said during all this interview that it's important to remain open and, and flexible. I also know what I want. I also know what I need. And sometimes I need to nourish my tapas and just lay in bed and watch some Netflix. And that's okay. And I've realized that I got a lot calmer with my traveling style. By now, I'm not like backpacking and changing my, my place every three days. That can, it can get exhausting on the long run. Um, 
but when I back when I still did that a few years ago, like I remember in Southeast Asia, like I was traveling for one and a half months, and I just I just hit a point where for a week I was like, no, nope, I'm just gonna stay here in this one in this one hostel room, and everything I'm gonna be moving will be from bed to beach to bed to restaurant to bed, and that's okay as well, isn't it? Like we need to listen a little bit to to what our bodies need, and yeah, remaining open, but also not making sacrifices on our own well-being in regards to remaining open. Yes, that's it's interesting that you bring that up. Michelle was talking to Tara and I recently about the definition of strength. And sometimes it can be viewed as pushing through when you don't feel as called to the practices that you were once investing in. And she was, she was saying how instead it really is that sense of surrender to exactly, as he said, what your body, mind, and spirit need. Yes, absolutely. That so speaks to me. And I mean, here we are now for one person that practice might be trying to push through and for the other person, the practice might be trying to let go a bit more and being in the moment and allowing allowing for whatever comes up to come up. And I think actually, yeah, I've, I mentioned it earlier already, um, with traveling, fear of missing out sometimes comes up for me. Not, not in a like, oh, I'm, in what way? So if I'm in a new place, I always wonder, well, I'm not sure when I'm going to come back here. So yes, I'm going to have walks around. I want to see some architecture, nature, maybe go to a theater or I don't know, whatever is suitable for the place where you're at. Um, so for me, very often, it's like that letting go uh, of the pressure, maybe taking a day for myself and just like resting if that's what I need. Um, turning inward, processing while traveling, I think that's super important. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely confirm, go along with what, what Michelle brought up there recently. Um, sometimes it's that letting go part and like just letting it sink in. Because the letting go can even be letting go of the attachment to having to do so much. Yes, absolutely. It can be, you can see it from so many different ways. Um, Wow. So Southeast Asia, that's awesome. What's your favorite place that you've traveled? Oh, that's a difficult question. Okay. Top three. Can you do top three? I I can do top three. Obviously, like they're just they're just so super they're just so super subjective. Um, yeah. it's a little bit of like where I was at in my life. Um, I I love the heat. I love summer. So where I'm where I'm living now, Escondido, and I still consider it a travel because it's it's on my hometown. Um, I do plan on staying in Mexico, but I came there through travel, like through checking the place out, even if it's like for a few months, it's still not my hometown in that sense. Um, I do love Puerto Escondido. Again, it might be for a mix of like where I'm at in life, what it can offer me. 
And well, the other two, I'd say one of the most beautiful travels I've done was through the southern part of Africa. So Botswana, South Africa, Zimbabwe. That was just so mind blowing. I think coming from a like Western European setting was a little bit like Lion King in person. Um, the nature aspect, the nature aspect is what usually gets me about travels. That's that's why I do it. And whatever that looks like, we go to a canyon, waterfalls, mountains, beach, animals. And the third one, probably for what it means to me, is Australia, because that's why I started off traveling. That's why I started to realize that we live in a time where we can do that. We can, we can travel around the globe, can experience different cultures, other things, and well, I'm very grateful for that. Okay, sorry, I was uh, absorbing. You've been so many places and it's giving me FOMO. <laughs> it's giving me FOMO, um, but so South Africa, that's a dream. That's a dream. And I'd love to go back. I'd love to go back. I feel like I've gained a little bit of an insight. I'm also, I'm at a point when, where I'm trying to travel a bit more consciously. Um, in my young years, Australia, for example. From Australia, I, I once flew home for a month. It's like a lot of flying it's strenuous on me even like I mean traveling through so many time zones for just a short period um and also like traveling for so long because Europe Australia was still like with flight changes it was like 24 hours traveling one way but then also like the climate aspect do we do we have to fly all around the world for like one or two weeks um so yeah I'm trying to be a bit more conscious and using where I am. So during my time in Mexico now, I try to explore Mexico as I do right, right now. Um, I came from the south of Mexico where I'm based to a city um, like in central, central northern Mexico. And yeah, that conscious aspect of like trying to do our best and not exaggerating the resources we have on hand. It's all about balance, right? Always it about is, balance. it is. And very often, well, that's one of the things. I don't think we have to go through all the world to find beautiful things. Very often they're quite close. And well, that's the beauty that I'm trying to find now as well. It was also what shook me about the United States. I've got quite some ties to the United States. My my best friend, whom I consider family, is from Northern California. And the first time I visited her there, because we met in Germany, um, was just after a political situation came up in the States that I was not very aligned with personally. So there was this association, it was this aversion actually. And well, got to northern california and whoever traveled there like the redwoods made me understand wait 
not about the political about the political situation it's such a beautiful landscape there the nature aspect again as i said earlier like that's what usually gets me so it also showed me we don't necessarily have to go far from where we're based to see the beauty even even taking your car for a two-day trip is traveling yes i love that i love that reframe especially in the states and Texas is really, really large. So it's one of those, one of those exceptions that interstate travel can be quite the task, but you go anywhere else and there's really different climates that are pretty close to each other, different, different things that you can see, specifically California. They have such a diverse biodome, bio, whatever you would call that. I don't know, above whatever. I'm missing the word as well but yeah definitely go along definitely go along I'm so glad I got to experience it there and like from from up through the redwoods and down through the through the national parks it's that that is like a Disneyland for me I'd say yes yes absolutely okay my friend we are nearing the end of our time together do you have any final thoughts, feelings, tips, anything at all that you want to share with the listeners? I'm just very honored to, to have had the chance to talk about all that and to share a little bit of my experience in regard. I, I hope this might have enabled some folks to, to realize that they're also able to, to get out of their comfort zone. And isn't it eventually what we're doing with traveling? We're exploring something new. We're checking something out. And I would hope that everyone bears in mind, it's always okay to realize this is not for me. I went to places in my travels and just realized, all right, well, now I know this city is all my style and that's okay as well. Or realizing I feel best at home or I only like to travel with my partner because that's that's my anger. Whatever it is, the individual feels suits them. Um, that's what we should listen to. Beautifully put, just like with asana, just like with yoga, approaching yourself as you are, because that's all that that's all that matters. Yes. Well, thank you for having me, Michaela. Thank you, Nina. I appreciate you so much for being here, for your time, your space, and for sharing your stories. Um, that is it for today, and we will see everyone next time. Yeah.